This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Well, hello there, you mighty Reds. Uh, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. Talking everything Liverpool Football Club, wherever you are, thank you once again for downloading this and having a little listen to it, sharing our thoughts and stuff. Hope you agree with most of them. Walking the dogs, going the beach, whatever you're doing, thank you for your support. Uh, I always say that and all of the uh, podcasts on the uh, umbrella, of course, of Blood Red, Hallelujah Rouge, etc. Uh, lots to talk about, uh, so let's get cracking. I'm joined by, well, I'm very pleased. We could have done this at 11, we could have done it at 10, <laughs> but we didn't because we got the call down the line. The bat phone went off and they said, look, <laughs> you hang on till 12, you've only got the one and only Joe Rimmer. So, of course, being, I don't know what um, So, um, of course, what and his, uh, his his fantastic knowledge. We've waited and hung on to Joe Rimmer. Joe Rimmer is here. Hello, Joe. And, and I appreciate you uh, hanging on for me. It's great to see you. How are we? Good to see you, pal, as well. Uh, joining us, Tom Cavia as well. Hang on, hang on a second. Yeah, Tom Cavia. Just my mic down, I think. Uh, Tom, how are you, pal? Yeah, very good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. Well, let's get cracking then, shall we? Um, all done and dusted. Um, when it comes to the pre-season stuff. As a whole, probably uh, he got exactly what he wanted from it, Joe. Um, certainly the highlights of it being the Community Shield, where we looked a lot sharper than I thought we were going to look, I'll be honest with you. Um, a lot sharper than Man City were, to be fair. And uh, obviously there will be stern tests along the way, but a great result, mate, wasn't it? And of course, we'll talk about the big man himself. But when you talk about the heavyweights on there that were on display, only one came out head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, I, like you, like you've just said. I was thrilled about how sharp they look because you know I watched a few of the preseason games and whilst I, you know I thought at times Liverpool looked dangerous, they didn't quite look at it. And you, you expect that in preseason, but I wasn't quite prepared for just how um, how good they looked right from the off on Saturday. You know they they really did. They went at Man City, didn't they? From the first whistle, thought Salah looked like like he really had a point to prove, and um, you know I, I love his his appetite to constantly be the best. So he really drove at City and, you know, they looked dangerous, didn't they? Liverpool from all areas of the pitch, Trent got a good goal and I just thought it, it bodes really well for the, the coming season that they could just snap into gear like that. And then, like you say, I mean, uh, Darwin Nunes coming on for that 30 minutes and, you know, I, I still think there's a little bits of him that, that looks slightly off the pace for Liverpool, you know, and, and I, that's a, to be expected when you're coming into a new team. But what he does look is a constant threat. And, you know, I, I don't be wrong, you know, there's, it, you know, it was an easy comparison to make, wasn't it, afterwards with Haaland, um, after he missed a few chances. And look, I think Haaland will score a lot of goals with City. And, um, and uh, I think he's not going to miss chances like that every week. And he looked to threat himself. But Nunes looked, just like he had an all-round threat in the air, running through on goal, getting in the six-yard box. Um, obviously, took his goal really well. Great move. Cavallo came on and played well. Just all-round, it was so encouraging. Um, and it will do Liverpool, you know, it's funny the community shield because it's an easy one to write off, isn't it? If you, if you lose, you can just sort of go, oh, it's only a friendly and don't need to worry about that. But if you win, it's a good early blow against, you know, against quite often the teams that you're competing against for, for the big prizes and, you know, for Liverpool to go out there and beat their main rivals um, City so comfortably. Well, that was really, really good. So, um, just delighted with it. Yeah, just delighted. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as Joe says, Tom, you know, you can disregard the Community Shield, can't you? Um, you know, after the full-time whistle, a lot of City fans on social media saying, ah, it's a load of rubbish anyway, it doesn't matter. Of course, it was one of the trophies that Pep Guardiola battled to have as one of his quad. Um, so, uh, you know, it's important when you want it to be, I guess. But I think, as Joe's saying, rightly so, it's that early blow, isn't it? And you know what he's like, Pep, that's already in his head. He gets a bit... He, he, he does get all in a bit of a mither, don't he? And, and I think that... Um, any results against them, especially one like that, you know. If you remember, if you remember, of course, we knocked them out the uh, semis of the FA Cup as well. So, so they are um, we're two and off, two for off for, for them at the moment. And no, obviously they won the league and stuff, but fair enough. But just to get those little personal battles is great. And the main battle, of course, Harland. Who, uh, you know, if I hear one more person saying the fifty million pound signing of Harland, <laughs> infuriating, isn't it? Because even the commentary on on the game. Uh, in, on Saturday, it was just it was going at Liverpool's costly attacker, Liverpool's plush, expensive attacker. <laughs> this guy's one hundred and eighty million pounds. They've just they've just nobbled the books the way they always do to make it sound like he's some sort of snip. Erling Haaland of fifty million pound alone would have had every club in the world after him. Not just some weird sign into uh, some quiet sign to City. So very annoying. But what was clear is that City have got a, a bit more work to do on their hands to try and integrate him into the way they're playing or integrate the way they play the way he wants to play because there's a lot of times when they were gunning on when he should have knocked the ball across. Liverpool seem to have, have gotten the message uh, to and from Nunez a lot quicker, don't they, Tom, where he, he's, 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 at it, he's at them, isn't he? And like Joe says, a little bit off the pace, but we know that. Jürgen keeps mentioning that as well, but he's, uh, he's up for the challenge, isn't he? Bad looks of it, Tom. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing with Nunez as well is obviously in the preseason game against Leipzig, he was sent on, you know, at half time and scored four goals. And again, it's just coming off the bench. He wasn't even starting the game. That's what makes it a bit more impressive as well that he's able to have such an impact coming on from the bench. Um, I think there was some sort of debate before the game, you know, if he would start with Firmino or Nunez, and you know, in the end, Klopp. You know, it was a good call from him to sort of bring him on later on in the game when Liverpool, you know, were looking for that second goal. It worked out really well in the end for Liverpool. So I think that's something we could maybe see a bit more of, you know, in the first few games of the season, potentially. It, I'm just going to be interesting to see whether Klopp, you know, does decide to throw him in to the starting lineup or if he'll just be a bit more patient with him like he has been in pre-season. Um, you know, to have that sort of player to bring on, you know, you <laughs> off the bench, it's not a bad option. Um, obviously, Nunez will want to be starting every game for Liverpool, but you know, maybe at the moment that could be the best way to approach it, of bringing him on later on in the game to have an impact like he has done. And then eventually, you know, he will be the guy that's starting up front for Liverpool. Uh, I've seen it with other players at Liverpool, like Robertson and Fabinho and a couple of others that have, you know, been taking a bit more time to be bedded into the team and, you know, it might be the case with uh, Nunes as well. Well, I think you've got the point there, Tom, haven't you? Uh, I think he's right, Joe. He's got he's got time to do it, hasn't he? And, and, and Klopp is a patient man. We've seen that before. He doesn't rush into things. He doesn't rush into signings he doesn't want. He doesn't get stopgap signings. He waits for the ones he, he, he really wants. And when it comes to players, he has a lot of patience and he has a lot of faith in players. I mean, Bobby Firmino, Looks as lean as I've seen him. He looks really. He looks like he's lost a lot of weight. It looks like he's really up for a challenge of sorts. Whether it's you know, I think he, he he's probably he probably understands the fact that he will be sporadic in the season, but he certainly um, put his faith in him in the preseason stuff as well as I say he looks quite. I mean, he's knocked back 
by all accounts, uh, a bid from Juventus, uh, saying absolutely not. He still, he still very much features in Jurgen Klopp's, Jurgen Klopp's plans, I think, doesn't he? And Bobby still has something to offer, John. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think, like Tom said, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the first few games of the season, at least until until they feel like Nunes is, is properly bedded in with how they play. I don't think anyone was really surprised that he started against City. And, uh, you know, I think with Diogo Jota injured, looking like he'd be out for at least another couple of weeks, it's, it's um, he's going to be important. And I wouldn't put it past for me you know, to have a quietly quite good season and stay at Liverpool for longer because I think he's the sort of player. I think he's happy here. I think he, you know, Klopp, Klopp like thinks very highly of him. And I almost think a little bit like Milner, that Liverpool might get to a stage with Firmino where they don't really need to start contract talks that early, but they can get they can get an extended each and every year when they want to. So, you know, I, I think he's really important. I think he's he's really important off the pitch as well. You know, I'm, I'm sure. Liverpool will be looking at him to sort of help guide the likes of Nunes and, and Jota um, as the team evolves. And yeah, I mean, he's one of the longest serving players isn't he, that Liverpool have got now. And um, I think he, he could have a really important season. But, you know, what I found interesting, the point you were making there about Man City and them, them adapting to, to, to Haaland and, and, and Liverpool and looking like Nunes has adapted a little bit quicker. I, I think that is the, the biggest thing about the season ahead is, is seeing how both teams cope. Um, with with fairly big changes in their front line. I mean, for me, City more so because you know I felt like they played a very different style to having to having Erling Haaland up front. And whilst he offers them a threat, I think he score a lot of goals. You know, Tom asked us to our predictions yesterday, and one of the things that I put in there is I really think I'm fascinated to see whether he makes City a little bit more open because. I mean, I don't know whether you saw any of the stats from Saturday, but he barely had any touches of the ball compared to other players. I think he had like 19, 20 touches throughout the game when, you know, all the other forward players had like 50. So he barely had any touches. He's not going to come back for them. He's not going to get involved in the build-up play. Um, he will score a lot of goals, I'm sure. But in the big games against the likes of Liverpool and against the likes of Spurs and Arsenal and in the Champions League games, will they, will they sort of give up a little bit of control? Because City have been so good at controlling the ball with the amount of midfielders and, and, and forwards that sort of drop in they play with. Will they give up a bit of control to try and score more goals and will that backfire? I, I think it's fascinating. And um, maybe the same goes to Liverpool for an extent with Nunes, but I think Nunes looks like a player who will get involved a little bit more than Haaland. So um, I think that's the battle this season in England. And I still don't really see any other teams sort of closing the gap on, on Liverpool and City. So um, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the first goal, we, I mean, the penalty came from Nunez tracking, uh, pressing and um, and turning over playing and, and getting the ball back. So it looks very much like Nunez is, is getting the philosophy of what Jurgen Klopp is all about. And Haaland, on the other hand, Tom, is that sort of um, last shoulder of the defender type player, isn't he? But he, he doesn't seem to want to come back and get involved. It could be quite a good omen for because everybody knows his stats. You don't maintain stats like that throughout your career without being a devastating striker. We know he's going to do damage. He's going to do damage to most of the league, let's be honest with you. But that tends to be the case, doesn't it? That, you know, when City aren't playing Liverpool, they they play a lot of teams that, that either roll over or just don't expect to get a result. So he's going to get uh, rich pickings from from certainly many of them clubs. But, um, but it might just take that a little bit longer than if we can hit the ground running, as we have done. I mean, City are notorious for slow starts, Tom, aren't they? And if we can hit the ground running, try and get some sort of space uh, ahead of them, then it can bode well for the rest of the campaign. 
Yeah, I think this season particularly, it's going to be important to start well because of the World Cup as well. Um, I know a lot of people have sort of touched on it already, but the World Cup being in the middle of the season, I think if you've not reached that point, you know, with a good points tally or if, if you're not on good form, I think it's going to be quite difficult in the second half of the season sort of trying to, you know, make up that difference because um, any, well, any team that has a good run before the World Cup, you're going to kind of lose that momentum when the World Cup happens. So coming back, you know, you're going to have to have a quick start and try and put some wins together. But if you've already got those points in the bag before the World Cup happens, you know, that could be quite important in the second half of the season as well. So if Liverpool, yeah, can make a good start and then maybe get a bit of head ahead of City in the table, that could be quite important going into the new year. Um, and like we were saying before, City have got a lot of players involved at the World Cup as well, a lot more than Liverpool um, will have playing. So potentially that's going to be quite important in the context of the season as well. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I mean, it is ridiculous, isn't it? A World Cup in the middle of a, of a season, it's absolutely ridiculous. Could end up strangely being um, something that we 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 uh, we get an advantage from, Joe. I mean, certainly we won't have Mo Salah there. And Mo Salah at the moment, you know, if you talk about a player, first half of last season, he was a worldy one. He, he was unbeatable. He was unplayable. He was the best player in the world. He had such a mad season, you know, getting knocked out the the, the, European, uh, the, uh, the World Cup qualifiers, of course, and AFCON and there just seemed like the weight of the world on his shoulders, Joe, didn't it? The second half of the season, he seemed a bit more leggy, a bit more predictable. Um, He's looking like a player who wants to prove a point, as you just said earlier on, and he looks fit. He's got no, he never has fitness, very rarely has fitness issues. He's not going to have a World Cup to get in his way. This could be a real landmark season for, not that every other season is a landmark season for for Mo Salah. If you've got Darwin Yunus knocking on the door, we've got, Jota, who we'll speak about in a second, who's just signed an extended contract. Um, and Salas is still going to be a key man for the Reds, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Like like you said, you know, it, it got to a point last season, didn't it, where it felt like every midweek he was going to, um, he was playing for Egypt. And, you know, it did feel like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. It felt like there was a lot of pressure on him from Egypt to drag them, you know, over the line in the AFCON, over the line to get to the World Cup. And, you know, he felt slightly short and he probably felt the pressure of that and, and, and the pain of that a fair bit. Um, but going into this season, yeah, he looks fit, he looks sharp, he's had a good pre-season. Um, he's finally got the contract thing sorted and he looks he looks extremely happy, doesn't he? Um, you know, I, I do think there was a little rivalry um, with, with Sadio Mane going on there and I think, you know, perhaps that pushed them to, to even greater heights at times, but Maybe having that out the way, we'll see a Salah that you know is is just enjoying being Liverpool's main man, not having really a competitor for that that crown, and 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 just really sort of emerging as as, as Liverpool's star guy. I mean, he has been for a long time, hasn't he? But it always felt like he was jostling with Mane at times for that, especially last season when Mane got Senegal over the line in the Afcon and got them to the World Cup at Egypt's expense, and then having that little mid-season break. Could do in wonders, and like Tom said, if City have players coming back from the World Cup, albeit Harlem will be there, will he? But they'll have players coming back from the World Cup tired, and so will Liverpool. But then Liverpool's main man will be able to go away, go on this, you know, I think Liverpool will go to Dubai or something like that, and have a little pre season camp and, and um, keep themselves fit. So I think that could be, could be massive for them. It's going to be interesting. Um, 
it's going to be a weird year. You know, I'm not really down for this World Cup in the mid, middle of the season, but you know what? It might make it a little bit different, a little bit more interesting, might it, in some regards. So I should just try and embrace it. But international football, uh, I wish they'd just do away with it. <laughs> It'd be better, wouldn't it? Spoken like a true patriot. Um, only the women's. Keep the women's. We'll have a chance in the women's. Yeah, we'll keep um, them. Keep them. We'll talk about that in a sec. Um, yeah, but what a forward line we've got again now, Tom. You know what I mean? Origi, the legend that was Origi, will always be loved here. Uh, he's moved on, and rightly so. And good luck to him. We all we, he goes with all our best wishes. But again, you look at the front line of Liverpool now with uh, Diaz and Fabino and Jota, Nunez and Salah, and it's you know Mane is a huge loss. We know that he's an incredible footballer, and and again, I hope he goes on to do incredible things for Bayern Munich, except for when he's playing us, of course. But um, we've just replaced an, a, a, a really dangerous front line with another really really dangerous front line, Jota. Has just extended to 2027, Tom, has he? Yeah, it's good news for Liverpool. Obviously, since being at the club, Jota's been a really good player. Uh, it's fitted in really well into Liverpool's style of play and attack. And, uh, you know, tying down another player to a long-term contract sort of ties into the whole thing, you know, of Liverpool's uh, transfer policy, keeping players at the club. And, you know, once players have signed, you know, they stick around for the most part. You know, we have lost... Sadio Mane is an exception, but I think that's more a sort of a personal decision for him to, you know, to explore something else, having won, you know, pretty much everything at Liverpool. So, you know, everyone else that's sort of coming to the club the last few years is is happy to to be part of Liverpool and they want to be staying around for most of their career. Look at Salah, you know, that's sort of the big one. You know, this summer extending his uh, stay with Liverpool, you know, that was the big talking point, whether he would move on. And I think that's kind of a, indication of where Liverpool are as a club. You know, maybe in other years we've seen like of Coutinho and Suarez, you know, go to Barcelona. You know, that was seen as the sort of ultimate destination. But I think at the moment there's probably not many better places that you could be than, you know, maybe Liverpool or Man City for players. So it's it's not really a massive surprise that he signed it. I mean, you know, Liverpool would want to get that sort of thing done nice and early so they're not getting to a point where you know, we've got repeats of Salah and Mane where they're both, you know, out of contract at the same time. And Firmino as well, obviously, coming up now. So it's always better to get it done as early as possible, like Liverpool have done in this case. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a good sign for Liverpool and a bit of positive news ahead of the new season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the front line, I think, is going to take care of itself. Defensively, we have a an embarrassment of riches, really, don't we, in a sense that we've got Van Dijk. We know what, we've all said that before, though, and lost five in the trap. But, uh, players, I mean, um, but obviously with with Van Dyke at the back and and and, and decent cover by the sounds of it. Ramsey sounds like he can, he's, he's going to be something good and uh, filling in for Trent if he has the opportunity to do that. Of course, Tomiskas has proved himself already. Um, so defensively good, midfield wise, how do we feel, boys? Joe, I mean, Cavallo's uh, impressed, isn't he? He's he's a good little player. Harvey Elliott again is is good, very very skillful player. Um, are we happy with that midfield lineup, mate? Are we happy with the? Uh, I mean, Thiago had a great game in the in the in the, in the uh, in charity shield. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and Fabinho, once they get up to pace, is that all we need, mate? You think there's a strength and a need in there, Joe? Uh, you know what? Personally, I I think, and I said this last summer, and I'll say it again this summer. I still think there's a big if around Liverpool's midfield. It's great if they all stay fit, but my big worry is that is your main main sort of three and four. 
don't stay fit. And, you know, you, you look at... If someone could guarantee me now, Henderson, Fabinho and, and Thiago, we're going to stay fit for two-thirds, three, you know, two-thirds of the season, three-quarters of the season, then I'd say absolutely it's, it's good enough. You know, you, you don't need a lot more there, especially when you've got other options like Cater, you've got Elliot Cavallo coming in who looks good. But my worry is that, that those three players just don't stay fit enough. And I love Thiago, I think he's a great player, but that that it frustrates me when when players can't stay fit. It's what I liked about Wijnaldum. He was very rarely injured. Um, for me, I think they still need someone who's first choice that stays fit. And you know, I think that would be the key this season. I still think Liverpool slowed down. You know, around Christmas last year when they started losing players in the midfield to injury and had to change that a lot. So uh, that to me is still a big question mark. It's still the worry. Um, you know, I know that they sort of plan these things long term and they'll probably go after in the field next summer, but, you know, they'll, they'll see whether that cost them this year because, you know, it's, it, it's hard to quibble last year. You know, they, they, they missed out on big things by a point, by a defeat, a hard defeat in the, in the Champions League final. But I still wonder whether they could have been more consistent over Christmas had they had a more fit midfield. But uh, maybe I'm just being slightly miserable in that regard. Well, I agree with you, mate, in, in the sense that, you know, yeah, we, uh, look, it's, it's, it's really frustrating when you miss out. You know, I was having a chat to one of my lads the other day and I said, it's random. if you could pick random four matches that Liverpool, in, in, in recent history, that Liverpool, instead of losing, would have won two and drawn two, it would have been an extra two Champions Leagues and an extra two leagues. That's how close we've come. We'd have won three of each. Um, that's how close and that's how, you know, it's, as they say, took a coat of paint off the post, didn't it? It was that close. Always tends. I always think about this when Liverpool don't. I think we. I think it's it's known, isn't it, that Liverpool's midfield is where we need to strengthen and where we need to have long term strength there. And it makes me wonder whether they they are doing their thing where with the Van Dijk, where they struggle until they get the person they want. And if that is Jude Bellingham, then it wouldn't surprise me at all if if uh, if if a very very strong bid is made for him. Unfortunately, though, not this season. Um, so, so we will we will have to hope, and as you say, Joe, that that they remain fit. But um, we seem to have that answer now. Uh, the the plan B that everyone talks about, Tom, where Liverpool, uh, many games where they were being frustrated and blocked out, which is what a lot of teams are going to do again this season, is try and put ten behind the ball in the box. And we were going to the byline, whipping balls across to no one in particular. With Carvalho and Elliot, do you think possibly in the mix at some point during the games we have? Certainly with Cavallo, he's a very skillful player. He's got that drop of the shoulder in him like, like uh, Coutinho had. Do you think he could be the answer to some of those frustrating football matches? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see you know, how much he actually plays this season because I think when Liverpool were linked to him uh, in January, it was, I think it was almost seen as sort of a player that would just be, you know, if they were to sign him in January, didn't get him in the end, obviously, but... I think it was kind of viewed as a player, you know, not necessarily for now, but for the future. Um, but, you know, from his performances and the way he's played in pre-season, he looks, you know, he looks like someone you'd want to be using now, not necessarily, you know, waiting to use him at a later date. So I would like to see him involved in, in the first team games this season. Um, whether that's just going to be in cup competitions or not, we'll have to wait and see. But I think he could play a part in league matches like you said, if, if Liverpool are looking for a goal in a game uh, late on in a, in a match, 20, 30 minutes to go, you know, him and Elliot could be players you throw on to try and um, unlock some of that space, like you said. Um, 
and having someone like Nunez in the box as well, that gives you another option in terms of, you know, playing balls in, in the air into the box for him to attack. We saw his sort of aerial ability against City. Um, you know, he obviously won a header that got that led to a penalty and then obviously scored a header as well. So we didn't really see too much of that before unless Origi was sent on late on in the game where, you know, we put the ball into the box for him. So interested to see if that's sort of an approach that we'll take with Robertson and Trent kind of putting balls into the box for him to attack. Um, because with Firmino as well, whenever Firmino's been playing for Liverpool, that's been sort of him, you know, outside the area involved in the build-up and not really, you know, attacking balls inside the area too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to Elliot as well, he obviously started last season, sort of the opening few games for Liverpool, and um, which was a bit of a surprise. I'm not sure whether the Klopp's going to do that again this time around. I wouldn't have thought so. But again, Elliot, I'm interested to see how he gets on this season. I think he could be another one that has quite a big season ahead of him. Yeah, he was doing really well, Joe, wasn't he, till the injury, unfortunately, last season. So, And, and he shows... He's only a small lad, but he shows great pace, doesn't he? And he's got some lovely touches in him. There's definitely things he could have to say uh, on the course of this season. Uh, Ibrahim Kanate come off injured. He's an injury concern as is Jota still uh, well, who do you see as the defence for this for the, the mainstay of this season do you think he's going to rely on obviously you know the fullbacks speak for themselves but the two centre-backs Van Dijk and Matip you think of the first two choices with Canate floating about I know Gomez has got the number two shirt and he's, he's keeping his faith with Gomez obviously yeah. but he's very much I think um, he's very much going to be a sort of a, a backup isn't he unless he gets a chance and goes with it yeah, I mean, I was I was slightly surprised he played Matip over Kanate in, in the Community Shields because it felt like towards the end of last season, Kanate was starting to, to get the nod in some of the bigger games. And, um, you know, I, I thought maybe that was the start of him phasing Kanate into to the team um, on a more regular basis. But then, you know, he started the, the, the Community Shield with Matip and then Kanate's picked up this injury. So now I think it will be Matip um, and I think Kanate might have another season, which in which he gets rotated and, and, and sort of is eased in. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens with Gomez. You know, I was surprised he signed a new contract. I thought he, he might decide to leave this summer. Uh, but he obviously fancies his chances of forcing his way in. And, and he's another one, isn't he? Let, let's face it, if he stays fit, you know, it was only two, three seasons ago that I thought Gomez was like going to be a mainstay in Liverpool's defence for, um, for the foreseeable future. And, He's had a horrific time, you know. He, he suffered that horrible, horrible injury, didn't he? Just after Van Dyke, and then he's had little niggles here and there to, to sort of stop him coming back into the team. Then we've seen massive find real consistency. Konate come in, so he's had challenge after challenge to face. But, but like, he's not a player we should totally sleep on. I think he's someone that, you know, we shouldn't be really surprised if we get to Christmas and Gomez is playing more regularly because we know how good he is. He's quick. He's good on the ball. He. he he um, has a good relationship on and off the pitch with um, with Van Dyke, so he's good. Uh, and then, like you say, midfield with, with Elliot, he was good. You know, I thought last season, early doors, it seemed to be you know a tactic for Liverpool to, to start playing the ball around the midfield, further up the pitch with Elliot playing just off the front three and trying to slide little balls in. Um, and he had that that decent link up, didn't he, with Salah um, on the right there? But so it'd be interesting to see whether they try and use him in that role again. Um, and then there's Cater, isn't there? We sit here every every year, don't we? Going, oh, Cater, if he if he stays fit this year, and I don't know what it is about certain players. There's always a player like that. I think 
in every team, isn't it? That you, you sort of will never give up on that. And caters that player, isn't he? You never sort of go, well, he's just average or I'm not. He does enough, you know, and plays well enough at times to make you think, oh, if he can just stay fit and if he can just sh- show more consistency, then Liverpool have got a real star in their hands. And this is probably his last chance because he's got a year left on his contract. So fascinated to see um, whether Cater finally puts it all together because look, you know, when they walloped United five 0 away from home last year, he was he was a big part of that, wasn't he? So, um, you know, but he but he plays well. So there is options in mid midfield for Liverpool. It just depends on injuries and form, and I never quite think they've totally put it together. Um, and maybe if this is the year they can do, it can really take them to new heights. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, Naby, last chance, Kate, and it's incredible how many times doing these podcasts, beginning of the season, we've said it. And when that ball came out to him at the edge of the box in the Champions League final, and he hit it so far over the bar, it landed in our back garden. <laughs> I swear I could have packed his case myself and throttled him. <laughs> There's something about him that, the the honest, like you say, Joe, when it clicks and when he's in, when he's up for it, he's a really good player. And it, certainly at the moment, he'd be, he's a really good player to have in the midfield. Because we know he's, he gets in a tackle. We know he's quite strong. And he knows he, he knows that he, to get forward with the ball, he wants to push forward all the time. So you wonder whether this this can hiatus about getting the player that they want in old midfield the, or attacking midfielder who can really do a Steven Gerrard type job or as close as they can get to it. Um, you wonder whether having, keeping older Naby Keita. Of course, Oxlade Chamberlain injured again. I mean, you talk about bad looking careers. That guy's just. Mm-hmm. He's just had bucket falls, hasn't he? And it's it's, it's quite a bad one as well. It's such a such a shame. You get these people saying, "Oh, go on injured, is he?" I mean, it's not his fault. Jeez, he wants to play football. Um, you know, he doesn't want to be in crutches half his career, does he? But uh, but again, the Navi case is the kind of person maybe who you, you need to just sort of shore up things when you need to, don't you? And he came on late uh, in the community shield. He was supposed to play against uh, Strasbourg, wasn't he? But um, or Salzburg. He was ill, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so, and he's not going to feature uh, against Fulham, I don't think so. But he is one that's there. That I suppose if you're looking to a bench, or the odd game where you think he's going to do something, he's he's a name to have, Tom. Yeah, I think Joe. Did you want to say something else and cater I, that? I, I, think you would... I was just gonna, I was just thinking off the top of my head whether either you two had anyone that came to mind. I was thinking there are always players like that, aren't there? That you you never want to give up. And I always remember Kuehl, like Harry Kuehl, every year be like, ah, oh, if Kuehl can just find a bit of consistent form. He's great, cool. And, you know, he'd have the odd game that you'd think, ah, oh, well, Liverpool have got a player in their hands here. Babel was probably another one that I, I always remember. You'd never quite want to give up on him. Um, so I was just thinking, I, I was going to ask you too whether there's anyone that came to mind like that. I'll have to have a bit further. Further. No, you got me on the spot. Yeah. Cool is definitely one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool is definitely one because he because he was he was a kind of a glamour puss at Leeds, wasn't he? And, and, yeah. Um, he seems to have left all his ability at Ellen Road, though, unfortunately. He was a really on and off play. He scored a screamer in the derby, didn't he? Yeah, great um, volley against Tottenham as well. Do you remember that one? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. He had his moments, but um, but yeah, he's a cracker. I'll have to think of one, but Tom, if you can, can, can you think of any? Um, I don't think... I'm trying to think of ones from like recent. I, mean, I think Sturridge was a bit. I know. I know in terms of like people rating him, but again, with like the injuries, I think people were very much with him, like... You know, he's had his chance now. He, you know, move him on. He's too injury prone. But then, whenever he would play, you'd see how well he would do. You know, he would always score whenever he came back into the team. 
it's a bit like Cater as well. It seems to be like whenever he has um, a good run of form, I think we saw it like October, November time last season, he scored that goal at Atletico Madrid away as well. And, and then he had that game against United. And it's like, as soon as he gets a good run together, everyone, everyone then starts saying, oh, okay, actually, maybe maybe we're going to start seeing the best of him. And then whenever that happens, <laughs> inevitably you get like the bad run that then follows sort of the next few games. And then it's all back to square one again with people questioning him and, um, you know, saying, is, is he right for Liverpool? Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a funny one. I don't, I don't really know sort of where, you, where we stand with Cater, but I think, like you said, it's a big season for him. He's got to, to prove his doubters wrong this season. And uh, if he doesn't, then, you know, it, it's unlikely he gets another contract. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if he got given a new long-term contract if he doesn't sort of manage to hit the heights people are expecting him to again this season. So, yeah, I think um spoke to John Aldridge and his column. And he was saying that, you know, it's make or break for him this season. He, he has to get it right for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We all know that, don't we? I think, if, and if he doesn't use, if he can't use that as an influence to try and, to try and get up a gear or two, then then he might as well ship on now. Charlie Adam, he was one of us. <laughs> Charlie Adam, yeah. I had great faith in him to this third game. No, you know, yeah, he had him on. He had him off the back of his Blackpool appearances and he was astounding every time he took a corner, he scored, particularly against us. Free kick, dead, dead, dead ball specialist. He take a pet. He took a penalty, didn't he, in the Carlin Cup final once, and that landed in our back garden. Surely yeah. after happy cases. So um, yeah. we've had them over the years, haven't we? Let's not go to Sean Dundee. Um, so, Andy Carroll was probably one for me as well. Well, well, well Andy we? Carroll was going to be good. Yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, we've got plenty of them, haven't we? So we hit the ground running, really, don't we? Saturday, um, I, I got told somewhere that the, the club was trying to put on a, an extra friendly in after this one we just had. I thought it must be bananas. There's a behind closed doors game on Sunday, right? Against definitely. against Villa, I think. Um, yeah, so it might be that. Uh, but against so that, after the season finished. starts, yeah, a bit odd, but I guess. I, th- I think he had a real concern. I think because Klopp just doesn't like going to the far. Well, not I'm not going yeah. to like going to the far east, but for those particular reasons, he wants to get to a training camp as soon as possible, doesn't he? He wants to get the fitness, and you only have to see. The likes of City and probably some of these teams are going to come up against. If you can, it's 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 common. It's 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 not rocket science, is it? If you can start this league flying, because you've had a a really good preparation, and you can get six nine points ahead, then you 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 have a lot of the battles done, isn't it? Because they're playing catch up, and we know City are going to finish strong. So it stands to reason, Joe, doesn't it, that you just you get as fit as you possibly can. And Liverpool are looking leggy in areas. But um, thankfully, after Community Shield, looking a lot better than City. But we need to hit the ground run. We got Fulham first game, half twelve kickoff for us, and um, get those first six matches out the way. Who they all look fairly decent. I mean, we've got. I'm just looking at the fir- uh, what our first six games are. I, think, I know it's Fulham and it's Palace, Man United. We've got yeah. a derby in there as well. Fulham, Palace, Man United, of course, uh, Bournemouth, Newcastle, and Everton. I mean. Honestly, in all honesty, Joe, just see, and this is, I'm not trying to be, I'm not inviting you to be arrogant here. I'm just asking you, there shouldn't really be any problems there, should there? Do you know, I, I think the main thing that jumps out to me is it's a good time to play all of those teams. Because, you know, like, look at Fulham, they, they'll come up, be a bit buoyant, still want to play a bit of football, still be used to dominating teams in the championship a little bit. And then they'll, 
you know, they won't want to like dig in against Liverpool. They'll be more likely to try and play a bit of football with you. Same for Palace, who now a bit of a footballing team under Vieira. Um, Bournemouth, same applies to them. United will still be fancying their chances under a new manager. And I think Liverpool will want all these teams to have a go at them. You know, Everton will try and make things tough. And, and you know, the atmospheres, they've, they've had at Goodison Park recently. You know, I'm sure the fans will, will try and organise something for that. Is that a Goodison? Hang on, am I... Is that a Goodison? Or... It's a Goodison, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think they'll, they'll try and, and create a, a big atmosphere. But I honestly think Liverpool are just miles, miles, miles ahead of them and so, so much stronger than them that... And Liverpool will be used to playing in games like that. So, and Newcastle was the other one, wasn't it? Again, another team that will come out the summer wanting to to sort of prove themselves a bit. There's no one that's there's no one like a, a Roy Hodgson or a Sam Allardyce or you know type team that will that will dig in, that will defend deep, that will play some dirty tricks and try and and, and is somewhere that I think is really tricky for Liverpool. So I kind of think like all of those teams will play into Liverpool's hands a bit and you know again you don't want to sound arrogant you don't want to end up an egg in your face but recent history tells us that Liverpool are good when it when it comes to teams like that and they haven't unless I've, I've sort of missed it I mean I haven't honestly been overtly looking at Newcastle transfer market dealings but for the club that's 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 owned by you know one of the richest or are one of the richest clubs in the world now there doesn't seem to have been a hell of a lot of transfer act- uh, activity, Tom, does it, at Newcastle? Or have I just missed them? I think it's going to be one of those, um, a bit like City, where they kind of gradually, you know, each year build up and bring in sort of more high-profile names the more it goes on. Um, I think they've just... The bid for James Madison, I think, from Leicester recently got turned down, £40 million. And they've been trying to get Jack Harrison from Leeds as well. I think it's about a similar price for him, which seems a bit bit uh, pricey. But um, yeah, they, like you say, just from their targets, they're not really going as big, I think, as, as people expected. Um, you know, when the takeover first happened, people were sort of throwing names around like Mbappe and things like that just because of the money they would be able to offer. But yeah, I think it makes sense the way, you know, they're approaching it. It's probably going to be, you know, bringing in players that will just improve the first team squad to begin with this season. And I think for players um, abroad, it's, it's a case of just sort of looking at how things go um, this season. And then you'd be more inclined to sort of make that move to Newcastle after seeing, you know, how they get on this season, maybe. So I think it's going to be one of those where, you know, maybe one or two or three years, we start seeing sort of bigger players potentially making that move to them. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, the problem is, of course, Joe, is that once Newcastle comes and asks him for plays, I mean, you you chuck a couple of notes on your tea lady, don't you? I mean, who, who, who <laughs> that? Madison, they want £60 million for now. And conversely, you have Man City, who, who don't really care who they give their old players to, do they? I mean, that old rule of, like, you know, don't sell a good player to, to a rival club. They don't care, do they? They've offloaded Chinchenko to Arsenal, Jesus to Arsenal, Sterling to Chelsea. I mean, let's hope they come back to haunt them. I hope so. I mean, maybe that just says what City think of certainly of Arsenal and maybe of Chelsea as well. I mean, I'm stunned that they 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 sent Sterling to Chelsea. I know he didn't get in the team that much last season, but I think Sterling's still a really good player. And again, like I was saying about City before, you know, he scored a lot of goals for them last season and, and in recent years. And 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 he's who seemed to come in, didn't he? At times, and you know, he scored against us, didn't he? And he 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 
he seems to come off the bench and get quite important goals for them. It, it feels like they've sacrificed a few squad players there that, that, that did a lot for them to, again, try and get a bit more potent at the front end with with, um, with Harlem. But I, I do wonder whether that will come back to haunt them. I don't know. Um, you know, Harlem's such a good player that you'd think surely, surely it won't. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely think they've taken more of a risk than Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool have lost Mane, but they've lost them to Bayern Munich, who they'd only come up against in the Champions League. I think they've sort of carefully planned for this. They've kept Salah and they've signed a new player. Whereas City seem to go, okay, we're we're really changing. And yeah, I think I think it's a risk. Um, as you say about Newcastle, yeah, it does it? I think they're in that stage where they don't really know what they want to be. To, you know, they, they need to sort of sign players to improve, but can't work out. You know, Madison definitely isn't worth the money, is he? But. They're going to have to pay a load for him because, like you say, people are just throw notes on the end and yeah, and and fill their boots, won't they? So, but I, but I still think Newcastle will come at Liverpool with the, the buoyancy of a club who, who feels like they're on an upward trajectory, and, and I think that should play into Liverpool's hands. Yeah, it's interesting about transfers, isn't it? Calvin Phillips was someone who Liverpool had on their radar for a while, and then Man City have swooped and bought him. You know, you're looking at another Jack Jack Rodwell situation there, aren't you? <laughs> It makes you wonder how many how many games Calvin Phillips is going to get at Man City with Rodrigo being there, and whether or not it's just one of those you can't have him because we're going to get a monopoly policies that they, they tend to do. Could all backfire, though, Joe. I mean, and Tom, sorry, it could all backfire because eggs in one basket and all that. Um, you do tend to feel sometimes with City that they get these players just so other people can't, and 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 um, you know whether or not that's going to be a, a forward move for Calvin Phillips or not, it remains to be seen, but it seems a bit strange, doesn't it? Yeah, he didn't um, didn't feature in the Community Shield at all, uh, Phillips. I think it's like we saw with, with Grealish last season as well, obviously arrived for a £100 million record fee in England and for half the season he was you know on the bench, really, uh, not even playing. Well, getting subbed on in games, but I think a lot of people were expecting him to be you know, sort of a main player for City in the starting eleven, and that wasn't really the case with Grealish. Um, whether that changes this season, we'll have to see. He probably play a bit more now that those uh, squad players, a couple of them, have moved on. But yeah, like you said, I think it will probably be a similar situation with Phillips, where you know it's a move sort of to further his career, give him a bit more chance of, of winning trophies. But I think he'll probably be aware that he's not going to be. The player he was at Leeds, you know, when he's absolutely vital to the team, he'll just be someone that City use now from time to time, you know, rotation player when they've got two or three games um, playing each week. So I think he's got a, he's probably happy to accept that if he's going there. But um, I think the interesting thing in terms of like City signings this season is going to be the left back situation. Obviously, they've lost Zinchenko, who they've been playing there at times. And, um, they also had Cancelo playing there last season at a um, certain point. So interested to see what they do regarding that because that could leave them a bit short if they don't um, manage to replace him. They have the um, Cucurella from Brighton they've been trying to buy recently, but it looks like Chelsea are now going to sign in. They've sort of swooped in from nowhere and, and apparently they're now you know, the favourites to sign him. So um I think City fans are a bit, a bit restless about the left-back position in, in terms of what happens there. Um, and it just reminds me a little bit of the 2019-20 season where City lost company who left at the end of the season and, and didn't replace him. 
And then Laporte got injured sort of straight away in that season and they were sort of left short the whole season pretty much playing Fernandinho at centre-back and and he's, Laporte just got injured again. Well, he was injured at the back end of last season and he's now going to be out until at least September. So already there's there's sort of a few gaps. You're looking at the City team where they're looking a bit... I know they've got John Stones and Nathan Ake, but I don't know. It's kind of... There's a few parallels sort of between the two seasons just appearing and, uh, you know, hopefully for Liverpool's sake, it's a repeat of 2019-20. Yes, of course it's going to be. <laughs> As soon as they get out of getting started, chucking players out. Vincent Company, we don't need him, you do. Um, <laughs> and then we went on to wonderfully do it by selling Lovren and, and not replacing them. <laughs> That's a terrible season. Yeah. Um, you've got to make sure your personnel. I mean, you know, Jack Grealish, you give him, he's got his knockers, but look, his hair's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> massive calves. What else do you want? Well, he was absolutely he was absolutely next to useless in the community shield. Then Phil Foden, come on. Uh, and uh, Alvarez, isn't it? Or the, the, player, the, the, other, the other player, the most. And you just looked and saw Grealish walking off and thinking, you're not going to get a game this season. <laughs> uh, £100 million worth of bench warmer. But that's what they do. But um, let's hope it is a, 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 one of those things where they've they've all put their eggs in, in the Haaland basket. I think Liverpool have bought really, really wisely. They've done that thing that Liverpool do where they just, like today with the Jota News, they just quietly go about the business like they did in the old days, all smoke and mirrors and then suddenly pop up with a player. We've got back to doing that. We've got that confidence and swagger back and we are a force to be reckoned with. Um, and I was, I just loved that it was on live TV the other day and just, just to show, just to remind people that uh, just that we are going nowhere as a team. Uh, we are going nowhere as I mean, by that I mean, obviously we're going nowhere apart from chasing City and overlapping them and hopefully getting another uh, title. Uh, Fulham, half 12, on Saturday, give us a prediction, Joe. 3 1 Liverpool. Yeah. Nice, nice little start there. Uh, Tom, any advance? I'll go for 3 0. Go for a clean sheet. Yeah. Let's hope yeah. so. It's an away game, obviously, it's at Craven Cottage, but uh, these are games that we should. We should be able to put them to bed. Let's hope uh, Nunes is on uh, fire and form when and if he comes on the pitch, of course, and uh, and then we put them to the sword. Onwards and upwards to a brand new season. Who's going to win the league, Joe? <laughs> oh, <Liverpool and> Man City. <laughs> as, as Tom found out yesterday when he asked us some predictions, I just decided that I'd just predict it. I think I've predicted about eight players for Player of the Year. So <laughs> there you go. Liverpool uh, <laughs> Man City is uh, here first. Tom, is it our time to win it again this year? I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think um, City getting rid of those fringe players, I think, could come back to bite them a bit more than people are expecting. So I think I'll go for Liverpool to win it. Well, let's hope so. I will agree with that. And but as a little caveat, I would um, <clears throat> I would remind you of Joe Rimmer's words earlier on: if we can get our main midfield fit for as long as possible, we are formidable. Let's so fingers crossed. Uh, Tom, thank you very much, my friend. Uh, have a good day, and let's hope that uh, we get a good result on Saturday. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. And, and Joe, always a pleasure, pal. Don't be a stranger. Nice see you, you soon, mate. Take care, mate. Uh, that was a, another poetry motion with me, Neil Fitz. Come on. Oh, by the way, well done, the Lionesses. I must say that. Uh, I didn't, not that it must do. It was a great game of football and good on the girls. Well done. And the inspiration for kids, particularly young girls in this country, that that is going to have a knock-on effect for is, um, well, it's immeasurable, isn't it? And you can join us on the next. Fingers crossed we get a good result. Here. Fulham and join us on the next. Poetry in motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.